Oh God, thank you for, for this morning. Thank you for those that are gathered, Lord. And again, this week as you were teaching me through, um, through challenging lessons, um, God, that, that these are the, this is the place you've called us. These are the people you've called. And we are meant just to gather together and worship your name. And um, God, I pray that we will just have perked ears today to listen. Um, God, we'll be attentive. We'll be waiting for what you're going to give. God, show us how to truly um, worship honestly this season, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be in Luke. We're gonna, this is the first of a three-week uh, series called Songs of Christmas. And we're going to be looking through three of the major songs in, in the first couple chapters of the book of Luke. Um, it's extraordinary. Christmas is so marked for us even now by singing, right? There's this huge controversy whether you can listen to Christmas music before Thanksgiving or not. Yes. And we, we all know that it's okay. <laughs> but some people are still living in the dark about that. Um, <laughs> But it is something that is so important. But the, the amazing thing is, I, I think because we, we come at these things maybe without knowing the tradition, without knowing the history, we think of these things as optional. Like, like oh, it's just, we just sing them every Christmas, so it's just tradition and maybe it's not as important. Or even we come to a church and we go, oh, well, we just sing because that's habit. Right? But if you go to the Bible, singing is throughout it, Right? In the Old Testament, they're just singing. David actually had a couple hundred people just at the temple just singing every day, all day. It was really important to them, the whole idea of singing. When, when Adam first saw Eve, he goes, woman, right? He was just like excited, and he sung. It, the first song in the Bible is a love song that Adam is singing about Eve, Right? It's, it's replete throughout scripture. You have the, the longest book in the whole Bible, the Psalms, is just songs. It's just full of songs. Right? The prophets literally recorded in a, in a song-styled writing. Right? This is throughout. And so what's amazing is Christmas in Luke is, is heralded, is brought to us by... We're going to look at three songs. They say there's five songs if you count Simeon's song and Elizabeth's song, but we're just going to look at three. And we're going to start with, with Mary's song. So if you turn with me to Luke 1, um, I'm just going to start by, by showing you why Luke wrote the book and how interesting it is why he would start with songs, because he's very calculating. Um, turn with me, right? Luke 1, starting in verse 1 through verse 4. This is just simply the reason why Luke has decided to write a book. And he says this, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that's the man he's writing to. So that you may know the certainty of the things being taught. So there's four things. He wants to write an account of the things fulfilled. So as we've just we've talked about 
we did eight weeks on how Jesus is the fulfillment. He goes, I just want to write an orderly account of what has been fulfilled, handed down by, this is the second thing, eyewitnesses. So these were people who, who spent time with Jesus while he was alive. They saw him die, and these are people who saw him while he was alive also. Right, so eyewitnesses. Third thing, carefully investigated. So Luke is a, a student of what's going on. He is, he is like a detective of the story, and he wants the most precise facts about it. The fourth thing is he says, so that you may know the certainty of the things that have been taught. And, and this is Luke speaking. His profession was a doctor. And so he, you get this throughout the book. He is, both in this book he wrote, Luke, and the book of Acts that he wrote, he was very precise, especially when it comes to medical things, which is interesting when we talk about the virgin birth, right? But very precise about what he's writing. And with a man like that, you don't expect him probably to use songs to illustrate it. So, why songs? Why this emotional start to a, a very calculating man? I'm going to share a story for you. Uh, three stories, actually, kind of in one. Um, I, as you know, I help lead music here ever so often. Um, and did kind of growing up as we had a house church. But then when I went to Pullman, I, I ran uh, for Washington State University for a couple of years. And I, I wasn't um, often able to attend church because we had our long runs on Sunday mornings. And so we'd go out in the wheat fields and just run, right? which probably sounds like a good old time to all of you, right? <laughs> um, but so I didn't, I, those first two years, it was very sporadic. But I remember I, as my freshman year, I just came in. I was probably a little homesick. And it had been a couple months since I'd been able to go to church. And I remember going to this church, Emmanuel Baptist Church. It was about a 300-person church. And just walking in, and I remember them singing and just weeping, <laughs> being a part of it, just being among the saints worshiping Jesus. It was powerful for me, powerful, just, just being there. Um, I don't remember what he preached about, <laughs> but I remember... I remember sitting there just going, these people love Jesus. <laughs> and, they, and, and it was something about the music and, and the way that expression was, was made that just kind of caught me up in it. And then um, as my time running, I, I didn't run after two years. Um, and then that summer, uh, did a song at a wedding. And, and one of the, past, the pastors who led the ceremony heard me sing and for some reason <laughs> decided to, to ask me to lead for his church. And so I started leading that very next year at a, at a church, started this little band. And, but before I could do that, um, I was talked to by their elder of music. And the elder of music was a, a good calloused hands man, very blue collar, built carriages for a living. Um, amazing man. He he made a hot tub out of like converting this engine. It was really weird. Uh, but just like a real uh, mechanical kind of guy, right? And he came and we sat together and he goes, he goes, Daniel, um, first question, what would you do to make a man like me worship 
He goes, I don't raise my hands. I don't sing. This is their elder of music, okay? Uh, <laughs> I don't raise my hands. I don't sing. And uh, I go, well, that sounds like a heart issue to me. Um, <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's actually what I told him. Uh, and, and so we had a great, we had a great interaction. And, and the, the beautiful thing was after that two years, um, he really, he was a singer, right? And in his gruff voice. Um, but, but kind of what, a good story that illustrates my, my time there and, and some of the challenges we face with music. And um, is that, so one Sunday, Nate probably remembers this very well. Um, Nate and Zach and I met playing music there. We had led uh, for about three songs and everyone was just dead in the water, Right? They were just like, <laughs> and, and that's hugely challenging for me. Music can be one of the hardest times on a Sunday morning for me. I love music, you know that, but it can be one of the hardest times because it can be one of the most dishonest times, right? We can just be like, well, Jesus accepts me however, and like, I don't, <laughs> or we can just come and, and just like, be like, well, I'm just waiting for the sermon, or, or I'm just waiting to get out of here, right? And, and when you're up here, the, you know, you might not realize this, but I see all of you, right? <laughs> and, and it was one of those Sundays we were playing, and there was just, you know, it was very quiet. Uh, and so I said, okay, <laughs> I, I might have even stopped the song. It was just, it was bad. And I go, we are, um, I'm not going to let you guys stand up for the next song, and not like they were going to stand up anyway. <laughs> and so I go, I'm not going to let you guys stand up. You guys just have to sit there. I go, because, because there's nothing going on. And I want you just to, to read the words, and if you agree with them, then you can sing. And so they just sat. They, they had their attention. They were caught with their hand to the, you know. And, the, and so... After that song, though, man, we were in it together. <laughs> People stood up, and it was, it was really interactive. It was beautiful. So there's challenges, right? So, so why this singing, and, and how do we sing honestly? Um, in Isaiah, there's two things I really want to mention. Uh, singing is a dangerous act because it can be done so dishonestly. Isaiah 29, 13 says, They then praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Right? <laughs> That happens so often, right? We praise Jesus with our lips, but our hearts are distant from him. Um, but it is a necessary act, and we see that in Luke. We see that throughout the whole Bible. Singing is a necessary act. God made the world to be filled with music, right? There are laws for music, right? And some of us know that really well, right? You can, you can hear some people sing beautiful harmony, and you're like, that is divine and then you hear people that it's like, right? And, and you realize a law has been broken, right? But there's joy. There can still be joy there. Um, but right, when we approach it, we go, there is something necessary ab- about it, and yet it's so dangerous. So what we'll learn from these three songs is I hope we'll learn how to worship and who to worship, and we're starting with the song of Mary, um, 
as we, as we go through the story, really pay attention to the, the content of her heart and the content of her song. The content of her heart especially, though, and the true character of her person. Um, what's amazing is, is we listen to Mary's song is that it's a lot more childlike than Zechariah's song. When you read Mary's song, it's, it's incredible. It's actually, I mean, we call it childlike. It's probably a lot more mature than anything we would say. But, but still, if you compare it to Zechariah's song, the, the content level is, is kind of different in their understanding, maybe, of the fulfillment of what they're seeing in Jesus and John the Baptist. Um, so, so come with me to verse 26, and we're just going to go through her story, which leads up to her song. <clears throat> Starting in Luke 1.26, it says, In the sixth month, the sixth month being, I'm just going to walk you through these, sixth month being the story that was shared before, angel came to Zechariah and said, you, your wife will be with child. And, and he didn't believe the angel immediately, and so some things happened that my dad will share next week. But, but from that moment, when the angel declared that, and Elizabeth was, was going to have a baby, it was six months since that. So Elizabeth's been with child for six months. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, Nazareth, a town of Galilee. Pause. So God sent an angel. One of the things we're going to get from this is, this isn't like God rolling dice and being like, go somewhere in Galilee to this, right? The, when we look at the content of her heart and the, her true character, we'll see one of the reasons why God sends an angel to her in particular and to a girl in Nazareth, right? Nazareth. And uh, there's a saying in the scripture, right? When, when, uh, Philip, one of the disciples, or, or future disciples, found out that Jesus was from Nazareth. You know what he said? He goes, what good can come from Nazareth, right? And, and I hope no one's offended by this, but when I tried to come up with something that maybe we could relate with, it's like gorst, okay? <laughs> and, and, I, and if you like, gorst can be beautiful, okay? Um, like Old Belfort Highway is real nice. <laughs> but, okay, I'm just, I'm trying to help us here. Um, right? It's like God going, Gabriel, go to Gorst. There's a girl there. And, and, and we're going, Gorst? That, that, is, that is where God is sending an angel to this girl. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. To a virgin pledged to be married. Mary was excited she was going to be married, pledged to be married. This is what it meant for her. Marriage back then was different than we do it now. I know you're familiar with that. But, it, but the, the legal transactions already happened, it means. She legally is married to him. But what's happening is she's living with her parents until he builds a house and is stable. And then... And then what happens is the whole town comes out and watches while, while they go to the house, right? And they celebrate, and the rabbi comes and blesses the marriage, and then, and then that's where they consummate the marriage, right? And so pledged to be married is very much there. 
they're legally married. They're just, they, they have, they're not living together yet, right? So a virgin pledged to be married. <laughs> they're ready to go. Joseph just needs to get his house ready, basically, for her to come. To Joseph... We find out in Matthew that Joseph is a righteous man. Here it adds to it that he is from the line of David. We know that from the line of David is a big, important thing, right? right? David's line would be where the Messiah was going to come from. Mary's also from, from that same tribe, right? From the tribe of Judah and, and also from the line of David. And we know all this before we even know this girl's name, Right? It says the virgin's name was Mary. <clears throat> Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. You are highly favored. Literally, he goes, Hello. <laughs> it's a good way to start. Hello. <laughs> I mean, because this, have you guys seen, um, is it Monsters, Inc., where like the monsters show up and then people freak out? Right? If you're an angel and you show up, it's a big deal. And the way he starts is like, hi. And, and he goes, you are, literally the word is charis here, charity or grace, right? You are full of grace. This is Mary. Go to this girl in Gorst who is full of grace. And he says, God is with you. Hello, Mary, you are full of grace. You, you are just, you're beautiful. You are full of God's good grace. And, and God has looked upon you. And Mary is troubled by this. It says in verse 29, She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was troubled because why would an angel come to her? Right? We read it so commonly now where we're like, Oh, the angel showed up and Mary was like, Yeah, I'm ready to be mom. But no, he showed up, and she was troubled by his greeting. Why would an angel come to me, to little old Mary? What could this mean? Because when, when angels had showed up in the past, I mean, what she's familiar with is the prophets, right? Angels are showing up, and they're like, big thing, like, like I'm going to bring destruction on cities. Why would an angel come to Mary? And the amazing thing is, we don't know if the angel paused, or if we just get in a look at what's going on in Mary's heart. He could have just kept talking. I don't know, right? right? We just have, the angel said this, and then it says Mary was troubled, but the angel said to her, he might have just kept talking, but we just get a look into Mary's heart. And this is good for us, right? She's not like hero Mary, ready to be mother of Jesus. She is literal old Mary, full of grace, right? Ready. She didn't even know she was ready. She was just faithful, and God noticed her, and the angel continues, and he says this to her. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And then he lists three things that this Jesus will, oh, sorry, five things that this Jesus will be. He will be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. Two things. He will be great. Your son, Mary, little Mary in Gorst, right? Little Mary in Nazareth, your son will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. 
Third thing, the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Fourth thing, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And five, his kingdom will never end. Little Mary. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Little Mary in forgotten Nazareth, your son will be on the throne of David, and his, his reign will know no end. That's a lot to swallow, Mary. <laughs> Little Mary in forgotten Nazareth. That is huge. And Mary has a question that all of us are asking, that Luke, a doctor, would ask. <laughs> right? How will this be, Mary, I asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel responds to her. The only response really that can be given, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So he says simply, yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> right? That, that Luke putting this in, C.S. Lewis deals really well with this in his book, Miracles. Luke putting this in was not expecting us to take this as a natural coincidence. Luke, a doctor, knows that virgin births don't happen. Spontaneous generation does not happen, right? <laughs> and he's presenting it not as a natural thing, right? And this is, this is um, how people from the Enlightenment on have treated miracles. They've gone, well, that's silly. It can't happen naturally, right? But the Bible's very aware that it takes a man and a woman to make a baby. And Mary's very aware of that, too. And so she asks him, how is this possible? Miracles aren't natural things that happen, right? And so he goes, this is what's going to happen. And the Holy Spirit's going to do this. But then he gives her a physical proof. This is so helpful, knowing that little Mary (laughs) needs some comfort. And so he says, Even Elizabeth, your relatives, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. So Mary, don't worry, I've given you you a, a, a partner in this that will walk with you because... She's just amazed by this miracle as you are. And so then Mary responds in absolute belief. And this is amazing. Two things. She says, first, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Two things really quick. I am the Lord's servant. This is Mary's identity. Right? If you're going to ask Mary, Mary... Who are you? Even before this, even before the angel showed up, her heart was the Lord's servant. This doesn't just happen. Okay, who are you, Mary? I'm the Lord's servant. That is Mary's identity. And from that comes her obedience. Literally, the modus operandi, right? Like the way she lives out her life. From her identity being a servant of God is, may it be as you have said. That's the way Mary has lived, and that's how she is responding to this. So what does Mary do? Mary, the angel leaves, and Mary 
runs off to see Elizabeth. It says she hurries. Right. Why would she hurry? Well, because she wants to know she's not crazy. Right? An angel showed up and said she was going to be with child, virgin, with child, having the Son of God. And, and so she runs to see if Elizabeth is indeed six months pregnant. And so she shows up, and, and when she comes into the house, Mary goes crazy, like, like women go crazy when they're excited. And it says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her and will be accomplished. So two things Elizabeth really gives her. First is the confirmation. Immediately when she walks in, she is confirming, you are with child, and that child is the Lord. And she celebrates with Mary. And Mary needed that. Mary needed somebody just to celebrate with her. Because who else would celebrate with this little virgin in Gorst who was with child? Who would celebrate with her? Elizabeth's going to celebrate with her. And just kind of a side note. So I... I I looked yesterday at what, in, in six months, what kind of development is the baby at, right? So little John the Baptist in Elizabeth, what's going on? And, and the whole little thing I read was all about the ear development, the ears fully development, so they can actually receive, they can hear at that time, which is pretty cool in relation to what we're talking about, right? Music, joy, hearing Mary come in and celebrating, right? John's a little participant in there, right? Just hearing what's going on and celebrating with them. So that's kind of cool. So, so confirmation from Elizabeth, joy from Elizabeth, and now Mary is ready to sing, right? She was troubled, and the angel walked through with her. She received his words with obedience, but now sharing this, with Elizabeth, she is able to sing. And so we're just going to dwell on, on six points about her song. It's beautiful, and it really shows us uh, the content of her heart and the true person that she is. So starting in verse 46, we'll just read through and then talk through it. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remember to be merciful, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Right? And as you read this, right, if it was like, a, it sounds like a, an older individual writing this, she's talking about thrones, right? And, and like kings being taken down and, and humble people raised up and, and we're, we're guessing like 13, 14, 15 years old, right? The content of her heart, where does she get this? First point, that Mary is full of truth. 
In Luke 6.45, later on, it says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So listen to her heart. This is, literally, this all is taken from the Psalms. Right? Everything she is saying right here, it's not like Mary's just like, like overcome and starts speaking in crazy adult poetry, right? She literally, her heart is full of the Psalms that she's grown up learning and singing. For example, right, Psalm, uh, verse 46, 47, my soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Psalm 35, my soul will rejoice in the Lord and take delight in his salvation, right? Verse 48, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Psalm 138, uh, the, Lord has th- uh, th- oh, the Lord on high has taken consideration of us who are lowly. Verse 49, the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Psalm 126 and Psalm 99, the Lord has done great things. Let him be praised. He is holy, right? So literally, all these things, we can just go on. I can just walk through the whole thing and show you one at a time that she is just quoting Psalms. When she, when she is excited, what is the overflow of her heart is the Bible, right? That's what she thinks about. That's what she dwells on. That that is her mode of operation, right? It's following that. So she is full of truth. It, oh, it is her overflow. It guides her emotions. This is important. It guides her emotions. And it guides her perspective. Right? That is huge. <laughs> what guides your emotions when you are troubled and when you might be afraid? What What is foremost in your perspective when a challenge comes? Is it the overflow of, is this the overflow of your heart, (laughs) right? When there's joy in your life, how is that joy expressed? Is it expressed in the pride of, well, I had a, you know, I've worked hard. Or is it the overflow of of your life, Lord, you have have raised up the lowly. How, How beautiful that is. This is the overflow of your heart. That is attractive, right? That is awesome. Point two, she is totally God's. In, in uh, verses 46 and 47, it says, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Purposefully, two words are used there, soul and spirit. One, soul is just this, my affection, my human affection. Soul is something that, 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 that word can be used for all, all creatures, Right? The affection, an animal can be affectionate, right? And so she's going, my, what I am a, where my, my heart is, is to magnify the Lord. That's what I love. And the spirit is this special way we connect with God. It's a way that we connect with God that no one else connects with God, right? The humans alone do. And she says, and my spirit rejoices. She goes, in the deep of me, where I know I connect with God, she's like, there I am praising God. Right? And how oftentimes we live divided lives, right? Where we're like, well, I'm trying in my deep to be satisfied with God. 
But in my soul, in my affections, I love the world. <laughs> I love it so much. But, but we can't live that. She is totally God's. And so when things come her way, the affections of her life and her deep satisfaction are aligned. And this, this for us is so manifest in the songs we listen to, right? The songs we sing and the songs that, that we find ourselves, you know, probably singing in the shower, right? whatever that is. What, what is the overflow of our hearts? What, what do our souls rejoice over? What do our spirits exalt, right? If, if we are, I'll just be honest, right? If we're just listening to songs about bumping and grinding, right? <laughs> That's your heart. That's in your heart, right? That affects us. It really does. Like, what, what do we find? What shapes us? Music shapes us so powerfully. Third point, she is not limited by her humble circumstances, but she has been unleashed by God's grace. And she over and over again just admits, God has done great things for me. <laughs> In verse 52, he's lifted up the humble. She's from Gorst. Right? She's from Nazareth. Who would want to exalt a girl from Nazareth? Right? Why me? But even in her humble circumstances, she had be- she's beautified herself for God. God has taken notice of her humble circumstances, and grace has unleashed her. Remember what the angel first said to her? Hello? You are full of grace. <laughs> That's your heart. God's noticed that. You are, you are full of grace. It's no coincidence that an angel showed up to her. Right? It's not like, <laughs> like the angels just show. It's a big deal. Right? We go around, we treat it so common. Where we're like, everyone's like, well, God was talking to me the other day. And, right? It's a big deal. And when the angel shows up to her, it's not coincidence. She has prepared herself through living a life of obedience to him. And so when the angel shows up, all she goes is, me? <laughs> but, but Lord, do what you will. Do what you will, Lord, because I, I'm yours. I'm your servant. Number four, she, she allows fear of the Lord to shadow over all other fears. She allows fear of the Lord to shadow over all other fears. It says he, his mercy extends to those who fear him. And literally, there's a lot of fears that she'd be having, right? What's Joseph going to think about this? What is my family, what is the town going to think about this? There's a lot of fear there. But her fear of the Lord overcomes all that. And she's, that's already been overshadowing it, right? And, and we see that in verse 38 where she just says, may it be as you have said, but, but it wasn't until she, she heard from that confirmation from Elizabeth and she had the joy from Elizabeth that she's able to sing. And this is what you see. Number five, she has a huge view of God. In, in verse 53, she's, he has performed mighty deeds. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Right? He's, he's taking down rulers and putting up the humble. Right? He's filling the hungry. She has a huge view of God, and that's what you see. Do you have a huge view of God? And so is that what you sing? Right? God, you are great and greatly to be praised. Is your view of God big? Or are your circumstances so much bigger 
than your view of God? Does your fear of other things overshadow your fear of God or does your fear of God overshadow everything else? God is big and God is great and and God, your sovereignty is seeing me through this. God, I don't see the end. I don't see what you're going to come from this. Mary didn't see. Where Zechariah's song, as we'll see, is full of like messianic prophecy fulfilled. Should we just get this at the end when she's like, God, you've been faithful to Abraham and his descendants. <laughs> right? But for her, I believe for her, it's just her going, God, you've chosen me. And I'm saying yes. And I'm being faithful I mean, it wasn't until she heard from Simeon, yeah, the sword's going to pierce your own heart, right? But she, I think, and she's storing these up in her heart. All these things we're seeing her, this, this young girl process, right? And how oftentimes we don't trust the sovereignty of God like that. We see something come into our lives or see something ahead and we go, well, this is it. I can't trust God. But she's going, this is hard, but I trust God. I have a big view of God. I have a huge view of God that he will see me through he will, see, he will see me through and he will work his glory through this. Is, is that our song? Because too often our song are things like, like, well, I'm really having a hard time, so can you help me? Because I'm really sad, right? Right? We are mopers. We mope about everything. And here she is going, God, you are great. And I trust you. I'm going to have joy in this moment. Even though I don't see all the things you're going to be doing. Stop moping. You'll never sing good if you mope. Number six. And she remembers the promises of God. And here we have in the end. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham, his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers. She's just repeating what she's heard, these promises. She's like, I think with those five things the angel told me, that this is it, right? That my baby, the one I'm carrying right now, will be great, will be called the son of the most high, will be given the throne of his father David, will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end, right? I think this is it, And she's just holding to those promises, believing those promises. Do we believe those promises? Do we believe those promises? And is that what we hold to? Is that what makes us sing this season? Guys, are we like Mary? (laughs) Or is the content of our hearts, how would we respond? I mean, this is a big thing she's responding to, but in the little things, would we respond similarly? Are we mopers? Are we just waiting to be unleashed and to truly worship God with song because he's looking for those who will worship him still in the same spirit? Those who are full of grace and overflow in this same way. So guys, during the season and even now, let us commit ourselves to be like Mary and to just say, God, I am your servant. That's my identity. And the way I operate is I just want to obey and trust your sovereignty. And that will lead to lives of worship in any situation, any situation, when the fear of the Lord overcomes all other fear. And that is the Christmas spirit. Let's pray.
Oh God, we just celebrate you. God, whether it's now in silence as we sing and just considering, am I full of grace? Is this the way I live? Is my identity as a servant of God? Or have I let myself be so distracted by their affections? God, we don't want that. We want to be fully united and just a love for you that will say, yes, Lord. May it be as you have said. In Jesus' name, amen.